Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. All right, class, settle in. Find your seats. I know normally you come to our Savior's Church, but this morning you are at JCU, Jesus Christ University, and we're beginning our new course, Relationships 101. You may have a seat. Before we dive in, listen, that's why I brought this bag, and that's why I wore this jacket. But we're going to dive into this this morning. But before we do, in keeping with worship and what God is doing, I want us this morning to receive communion together as a spiritual family and to remember what Jesus did for us. So if you have your elements, will you please grab those? You can remove the top layer. Now, why are we doing this? First, let me say, you don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion with us, only a member of the body of Christ. You just have to be a part of his kingdom and we fellowship. We're all brothers and sisters. We'll be in heaven together anyway. But why are we doing this? Jesus told us. He said, and as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We do this to remember. To remember the sacrifice that he made for us so that we could have healing, so that we could have forgiveness, so we could have restoration, so that we could have life. And so this is our moment of simply remembering what Jesus did. So if you will, will you hold up the bread and we're going to pray over this. Father, I thank you for sending your son to have his body broken for us. Thank you for sending your son who faced torture, torment, agony, rejection, pain for us. And I pray, Lord, we remember you. Jesus, thank you for what you endured for us. Because of your great love for us, we have healing. We have restored relationship with the Father. We have life. And the Spirit of God lives in us because of your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. You can receive the bread. Now peel back the layer to reveal the juice that represents the blood of Jesus. The Bible says the blood of the new covenant. What's a covenant? A covenant is an agreement. It's the strongest kind of agreement. And in this agreement, Jesus did all of the hard work. He did the tough part. And we're the recipients of his mercy, of his grace. This covenant builds a bridge from us and our sin and our separation from God and it builds a bridge to a holy, righteous, sinless, just God. And that's what Jesus has done for us. So as we drink of this, we're remembering, we're remembering that no matter what you did in your worst moment because of his blood, you're forgiven. And some of you came into this room today full of guilt, full of shame, full of condemnation, Nothing you have ever done is greater than the blood he shed. 
nothing. So let's hold this up. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we remember that blood that was shed for us so that in our worst moments, we could be made clean. We could be made right. Only you, God, could take a sinless, spotless lamb and wash dirty, unrighteous people and see us the same way you saw that spotless lamb because of that blood. So Jesus, thank you for the blood you shed for us. We remember it. We don't take it lightly and we don't treat it as common. It is life to us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, you can receive the juice. Thank you, Michelle. Come on, let's give Jesus praise this morning. A few quick announcements as we're beginning class today. The first two announcements are men's Bible studies. Um, one of them launched last week. Another one launches Tuesday, Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. at Tant Marie in Brobridge. If you are a man in the Brobridge area or know of a man in the Brobridge area, please invite them 6 a.m. Um, we will be there at our first men's Bible study in Brobridge. Also, we have our Bible study on Wednesday mornings at um, Pobor Riverside Inn in Broussard at 7 a.m. Next week, as I believe DeMar mentioned, he may not have mentioned it, but we, next Sunday will be Football Sunday. And so for those old school OSC people, you remember Football Sunday. I encourage everybody to wear your favorite jersey unless it's Alabama. <laughs> All jerseys are acceptable except Alabama. And if you don't have a jersey, wear your favorite football attire. We're gonna, we have some very special treats for you. As a matter of fact, the starting quarterback of UL, Zion Chris, will be with us here at the Broussard campus. That's We're excited about that. And some other cool surprises coming your way So that so for next week. So please bring your football attire, invite a friend. It's going to be an incredible service. Let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus through me and speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Cody. If we're honest, we can all find the greatest, we could say this, we all find the greatest joy as well as our greatest sorrows in one place, relationships. When you think about your life and you think about some of the wisest decisions you've made, the best moments of your life, there were connected to relationships. When you think about the worst decisions you've ever made in your life, they were connected to relationships. Relationships is one of the most important parts of our lives. They're vitally, I teach my daughters the, these principles, and so I want to talk to you about this this morning as well. Who you date is one of the most important decisions you will ever make. Who you marry. Listen, this is what I tell my daughters. Literally, this is what I tell them. The most important decision in your life is following Jesus. Number one, single-handedly the most important. But second only to that is who you marry. I was having a conversation with Pastor Paul Neal after the first service, and he said this, and I thought this was really good. Who you marry is the most important financial decision you'll ever make. Who you marry can determine whether or not you're broke for the rest of your life. 
Who you marry is the most important parenting decision you will ever make. Who will be laying their hands on your kids? Who will be blessing them or who will be cursing them? Who you marry next to Jesus is the most important spiritual decision that you will ever make. So that, that decision is vitally important. Who you're friends with is vitally important. So I want to focus on in this series this question. What does God's word have to say about our relationships? What does God's word have to say about our relationships? And normally when we start a relationship series, of course, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about the role of a husband. We're going to talk about the role of a wife. We're going to talk about these different types of relationships in our lives. And normally one of the things that I hear is, Pastor, what about us singles? What about the singles? Well, today I'm going to start with the singles. Y'all go first. Come on. Now, if you're single, go ahead and raise your hand. All right. Be honest, you were waiting for me to do that anyway because you were like hoping. That's why you raised the hand without the ring finger on it. That, you didn't use your hand. You were like. Some of y'all back there waving like the Queen of England. <laughs> I heard you clapping all loud. Yeah! We're also going to talk about Another type of relationship that's important for all of us, friendships. Friendships. As a matter of fact, today's lesson class is entitled Good Friends 101. Good Friends 101. Because these relationships are so important, I don't want to give you principles that I learned from a book. I don't want to give you principles just from things I've seen in other people's life. I want to give you principles from the word of God. What does God's word have to say about friendships, about dating relationships, about who we marry? What does God's word have to say about that? And so we're going to dive right into this. Lesson number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Lesson number one, we're talking about friendships. Whether you know it or not, you need them. Whether you know it or not, you need them. You need friendships. You need people who are close to you, close relationships. Now, for some of you, that's a very easy ask to make. For my extreme extroverts in the room, you have never met someone who is not your friend. Everybody is always your friend. You know those type of people, when you talk to them and you mention a person's name, yeah, that's my friend. Them too, yeah, that's my friend. Like, how are you friends with everybody in Acadiana? That's not possible. As a matter of fact, those types of people, you have 263 outstanding let's get togethers in 2023 alone. Yeah, let's get together. Let's grab coffee. I haven't seen you in six years. There's certain people who are wired like that. But for others, you have multiple different reasons why you don't have many friends, or close friends. And I'll talk about some of those reasons. For some of you, you're just an, you're an introverted type of personality. You'd rather be alone with a book than be with people. Right? I understand that type of personality. And that's why you'd rather be alone. But the second type of, uh, another reason would be this. You've been burned in relationships. 
You've had relationships with people who have broken your trust, where people were supposed to add value to your life. All they did was take value away from your life. Listen, I understand. That may be your reason. For others, you may seem like the first person that I talked about. Outwardly, you have a lot of connections, but if we're being transparent and honest because of experiences in your life, you don't have a whole lot of friends. What you have is a lot of acquaintances because nobody knows you. Nobody is really in your life. You haven't really let them in. You bring them to a certain point, draw your brick wall, and nobody gets beyond that. And nobody questions it because you have a lot of people around you all the time, but nobody's close. Now, <laughs> excuse me, here's a truth that I want you to know. For many of us, we have enough life experiences in our lives that have trained our brains to somehow believe what God's word has to say about relationships applies to everybody else except you. Well, Pastor, listen, I... I know what God's word says, but you don't know what I've been through. I know the Bible says that I, I need friendships and I need all of those things. Okay, but that, I'm just not wired that way. Or I've had church people hurt me. I was telling somebody this not too long ago. We, we talk about that people don't come to church because they've been hurt in churches. And listen, to some degree, I understand it. I'm not saying that there's no validity to it. I understand it. But some of those same people got beat up in clubs and they kept going. <laughs> you got cursed out in Walmart and you still go buy eggs. Right? So you're discounting the wrong place because of hurt. Guess what? Hurt is everywhere because people are everywhere. But don't discount or discredit what God says you need because of your experiences. See, here's the thing. We live in a day and time, and this is very important for you to hear. We live in a day and time in culture, society, all of those things, who tells you, you have a truth, and but then I have a truth, and then my truth may not line up with your truth. And God's kind of in that category. Like, God has a truth, but it's not really my truth. Can I just tell you, God does not have a personal truth. God's truth is the truth. His truth is the truth. And if your truth does not line up with his truth, let me tell you something about your truth. It's not true. It's not true. God knows what we need. He designed us. He created us. He knows exactly what we need. This is what the Bible says about relationships that we need. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Let me ask you a couple questions. When you struggle, who's there to help you? When you fall, who's there to pick you back up? That's why we need relationships. I'm one of the most blessed people that I know. 
Number one, because Jesus is my Lord. Number two, because Lauren Smith is my wife. And number three, because of the men that surround my life and help me. That's why. And some of you may say, well, pastor, all I need is Jesus. Let me tell you something about that statement. Jesus uses people. The church is called the body of Christ. That means that there are times that Jesus is using his body to help you and you are rejecting Jesus because you're rejecting his body. You're pushing away the very thing that he put in the body to help heal you, but you're rejecting it because you think that it's only there to hurt you. God uses people to help us. God uses people. There are people in my life who know not only my strengths, but they know my weaknesses. There are people that I have bared the ugly parts of my soul, and guess what? They still love me, and they still help me, and they help pick me up. Others may say, well, you're right, pastor, but all I need is my spouse. That's cute. If you say, all I need is my spouse, can I tell you something about your spouse? They are tired. <laughs> They're tired. Because you weren't designed to, oh, listen, I, my wife gives me, she knows vulnerable places in my soul. She knows, she's able to speak to places that nobody else can speak to in my life. But there are times that my wife says, hey, have you called Jeremy? That's my best friend, he's a pastor in Atlanta. Have you called him? Have you called Pastor Randy? She says that. Have you called Pastor Randy? She says, if you don't stop, I'm going to call Pastor Jacob. Okay, whoa, whoa, okay. All right. I give. I give. Can I tell you, this is how most people fall. They fall alone. And they fall with no one there to hear them fall. We need people. Whether you know it or not, you need other people. Let me keep going. Lesson number two. Submit your friendships to God. Submit your friendships to God. Wait a minute, Pastor Gabe. Didn't you just try to convince us that we need them? Now you're telling us to submit them to God? That's exactly what I'm saying. Because you don't just need friends. You need the right friends. You need God friends godly relationships in your life. For some of you, the reason why you resist so many relationships and resist those things is because of the pain of past bad decisions you made in this department. Some of you have said, that, that was a demonic attack on my life. That was not a demonic attack on your life. Can I tell you what that was? You invited the devil to coffee. You had a texting relationship with the devil. Y'all were BFFs. You invited him into your life. It wasn't like, it wasn't much of an attack. You opened up the door for him to come sit down and do whatever it is he needed to do in your life. Think about it like this. Think back to the first cigarette that you smoked. Was it the devil that gave it to you? Think about the first left-handed cigarette you smoked.
I'm looking for expressions throughout the room. Think about the first beer. Think about those things. It wasn't the devil. It was a friend. That's why that's so important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says this. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Guess what? That's not just true for your, your kids. That's also still true for you. This principle doesn't go away. Bad company may quickly corrupt them, and it may take a little bit longer for you, but it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. You are, we are influenced by the people in our lives. I've said this for years, and I heard it from our pastor, Pastor Jacob, for many, many years. Show me the five closest friends in your life, and I will show you your future. Show me the five closest people, and I will show you your destiny, where you're going, because it is directly connected to the people you surround yourself with. And listen to me, I'm not saying that you have to avoid every person in the world out of some sense of fear, but when somebody shows you who they really are, believe them. Believe them. When you see who they really are, believe what you've seen. Proverbs 22, verse 24 says this. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Your soul is endangered by the people you let in your life. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, and I love this principle, walk with the wise and become what? Wise. But then let me pause there. There's a, there's a bit of a line before we go. You see the way that this, the, the proverb, the not psalmist, proverbist, I guess, is writing this. The way he says this is different. He says, associate with fools. And you would think because of the rhythm of the pattern that he's going to say, associate with fools and become a fool. It's not what he says. He says, associate with fools and get in trouble. He jumps right to the destiny of a fool. He goes right to it. Associate with fools. He didn't have to say you become a fool. You're already a fool because you keep associating with fools. He goes right to the fact that your destiny, your outcome will be trouble if you keep associating with them. If you want to be wise, connect with the wise. If you want to ruin your life, connect with fools. That's the principle. If you want to grow, get around people who are growing. Well, pastor, if I'm being honest, I just don't want to get rid of some of these people. I know. That's why I said, Submit them to God. See, it's not, what I'm not saying is they don't add some sense of value to you. What I'm not saying is they, they weren't the, they, it's not like they weren't the person who were there in that dark moment of your life. They may have been there in that dark moment, but that does not mean they are still good for you. Right? I'm not, uh, please get what I'm saying. They may, you may like something about them. That's why you want them in your life. There may be some good traits, but if they fall in this category and they are pulling you down and you aren't pulling them up, you need to get rid of them. If you look in the mirror after your relationship with them and you look more like them than they look like you, it's time to end that relationship. 
if they are pulling you down and you aren't pulling them up, they need to be out of your life. Pastor, that's kind of harsh. Listen to me. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save you because the Bible does not lie. Bad company corrupts good character. Here's the thing about God. God wants the best for you. That's why he puts these principles in his word. He does. He wants the best for you. And God knows the intents and hearts of people long before you do. Long before you see something that could damage your life. He knows it the moment they enter into your life. That's why we have to trust his word. That's why we have to trust wise counsel. Proverbs 18, 24 says this. There are friends, quote unquote. I love how the Bible's getting real petty right there. Friends. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. There are real people that God will place in your life who will be there in your, war, your worst moments, your darkest moments, the hardest moments. I remember one time I was in, I'm saying, I remember I was in college and I was just getting overloaded with some classes and I knew I was making, like I was starting to stress myself to, a point, and he didn't know this at all. I remember once, one day Pastor Randy called me. It was like, Pastor Gabe, I was praying for you. He didn't know what I was dealing with, but he said, I just, I feel like you're starting to take on too much in your life. I know that I love him, and I know that he loves me. Just like that, I started dropping classes. I didn't need any of, I didn't need anything else. I started dropping them because a close enough friend saw something in my life. You got it. Because there's trust there. There's trust there. Are y'all with me? Submit your relationships to God. That leads me to my third point. Friends want the best for you. Friends want the best for you. And they may want it in a way that you don't necessarily agree with. See, the safest the safest types of friendships that you can have are the ones that are willing to tell you when you're wrong. Those are, those are the safest types of relationships. They won't agree with you to, make, to keep their relationship comfortable. They will disagree with you and be peacemakers instead of peacekeepers. We've talked about that. We'll go into that more in this series. But peacemakers are willing to ruffle your feathers for the sake of real peace. Peacekeepers will go, you go ahead and ruin your life as long as I feel comfortable. That's the difference. They won't, they won't just tell you the truth. They'll tell you the truth in love because they love you. And if you have a friend that is not willing, look up here, don't miss this. If you have a friend who is not willing to tell you the truth, can I tell you something? They do not love you. They love something about you that brings value to them, but they don't love you. They don't want the best for you. Let me tell you something about what the Bible says about friends. There's a couple different things about the advice and the counsel and wisdom of friends. Proverbs 27, 9 says this. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. How many of you have ever had those moments when you're talking to a friend and it's like they have just the right thing to say at the right time. And you're like, gosh, this is just like, like putting icy hot on my soul. Like it just feels good. It's like... Come on, old school people. It's like taking an Epsom salt bath in your soul. Wow. 
Y'all really feeling that Epsom salt thing? Okay. <laughs> and we love getting good advice and good counsel. But the Bible also says this about friends. Proverbs 27, verse 5. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. That means that if someone loves you enough from time to time, they will hurt you. They will be willing to cross you for what's best for you. And that is better than kisses of an enemy. Somebody who keeps telling, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're great. What they're really saying is, keep adding value to my life while I add absolutely none to yours. Keep paying for our lunches. Love that. Keep making me feel good about myself. Love that. But if you see me heading down a, a cliff and I'm getting ready to fall and you're not willing to tell me that, you are not my friend and you do not love me. Friends want the best for one another. I can tell you, Lauren and I have friends that are all up in our business. All up in our marriage. Pastor Gabe, you have problems in your marriage? Yes. Listen, sometimes she don't want to act right just like y'all's wives don't want to act right. <laughs> last time there was a man, I said that last service, there was a man in the back. He was like, get out of there, abort, abort, <laughs> quit. <laughs> but it's true. There are times she's not acting right, there's times I'm not acting right. And there's times where we have friends in our life, literally in the middle of an argument, conflict. We're mad at each other. She's mad at me. I'm mad at her. And we get on the phone with them independently, separately. And I have, a, I have friends that will tell me, you're being stupid. Just go apologize. You were wrong. Gosh, you're right. And I also have friends that will say, guess what? You were right. You were right. She's still not, she, I understand where you're coming from there. But you're still wrong because you haven't made the relationship right. You're right. I can't, literally, I can't win for losing. But they remind me of my responsibility as the head of our family and the weight that I carry. And if you like that, man, get ready because husband 101 is coming. We'll get to that later. They're all in our life, and I love it. Because let me tell you something that's true of all of us. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And I believe God has designed us in such a way that as the body of Christ, we need one another. You need people to see those spots that you can't see for yourself. God, listen to me. They're extremes. One of those extremes is to be completely independent. I don't need anybody. That's never good. But then there's also codependent. I can't do anything without you. I can't make any decision without you. I don't know what color shirt to wear without you. Right? That's called codependent. God's design is interdependent. Interdependent. Where we recognize our need for one another. 
This is what Jesus said about relationships. John 15, 12. This is my commandment, not suggestion, not if you feel like it. His commandment was love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Friends sacrifice for one another. They're willing to be uncomfortable for one another. They're willing to lay down their own lives for what's best for one another. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in times of need. These are the types of friends that we need in our lives. And in addition to friends in our lives, we need people over us that can help us. You know, I jokingly alluded to them earlier, but I need the people like the Pastor Jacobs in my life who can tell me things that if I'm being honest, I don't want to hear. I don't always agree. But one thing I trust is that man loves me. Do you have people like that in your life? That even when you don't agree, you can trust. I know that they love me. And I'm willing to take a few, you saw that wrong for the sake of you love me enough, I trust you. Friends want the best for one another. Number four, love is a must. I mean, excuse me, forgiveness is a must. Forgiveness is a must. Out of all of the friends in my life, I have one of them that's perfect, and his name is Jesus. All of the rest of them, they're flawed. They make mistakes. Even the closest, deepest friendships that I have, they don't always say things that make me feel good. And they don't always have perspectives on me that are accurate. And I don't always have perspectives on them that are accurate. That's how the enemy works. He gets in. This is, let me just tell you what the Bible says about the devil. Y'all ready? He says he is the accuser, the accuser, excuse me, of the brethren. That means he is always trying to accuse you to me and me to you. You see, he walked past you. He didn't even say anything. I bet he was mad at you from what that last month. That, remember that one time? I bet he saw you not tithing. That's why Pastor Gabe didn't talk to you. That is the accuser of the brother. That's his job. That's what he does. And in relationships and friendships, he does the same thing. He accuses the people that God put in your life to you. And he accuses you to them. And in those relationships, there are times where we have to have honest conflicts. And when we sit down and we go through, we realize... That's not what you meant to do at all. That's not what I meant to do at all. Let me teach you something about conflict. Conflict, if done well, builds intimacy. Conflict, if it's done the right way, builds intimacy. And it brings you closer together. But with that, there's a word you have to have if you're going to have lifelong relationships and friendships. Forgiveness. You have to be willing to forgive them when they do something wrong, when they do hurt you, when they do make a mistake, when they have listened to the accuser of the brethren. Because if you don't have that, if you can't offer that, that relationship ends right there. This is what the Bible says about this. Proverbs 17, 9 says this, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it, what? The fault, the thing they did wrong, dwelling on the fault separates close friends. 
When you can't let go of the mistake or the thing that they did, the relationship's going to die. It's going to separate. Forgiveness is the bond that keeps you together. And to take it a step further, Colossians 3.13 says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another. Excuse me, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Love and forgiveness are closely tied, and it's the things that tie us together with one another. Are y'all receiving that? Yes. Now, with the rest of this message, I want to shift gears and speak to my singles for a moment. Because singles, as you're looking for that spouse or that person God is going to bring to you, let me first tell you this. Everything I just said about close friendships better apply to them. Everything I just said should apply to that type of relationship. If they don't have that, they are not in consideration. If they can't even be a good friend, they should not be on the radar. It begins there. I remember a wise man told me this 16 years ago, 16, 17 years ago. He said, don't marry somebody you love. What? He said, marry somebody you like. Marry somebody that you don't mind being friends with, having a good conversation with. If all you see is she's fine, she's not going to be fine forever. If all you see is he's, oh my gosh, he is so handsome. He has such a great head of hair. When the Bible says faith, hope, and love endures forever, hair was not in that list. Moving right along, lesson, uh, lesson number five. This is something I want I wanted to just put across. Singles, this isn't, isn't something you may hear all the time, especially in church, church cultures that really value marriage, which we do. But lesson number five, you are not incomplete without a spouse. You are not incomplete without a spouse. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, let me pause there for a moment. We think things are so twisted and bad right now. Can I tell you, they've been twisted and bad since the beginning of the church. Gross perversion and the things that we see happening in the world today, guess what? It was happening there as well. People go, Jesus is coming back. He is. But don't think today is worse than at the very beginning of the church. They were utterly twisted and perverse. Paul says, but because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each wife should have her own husband. And this skips down. I'm going to talk about more in between the scriptures later on in this series. But verse seven says this, Paul, Paul was a single man and many scholars believe he was single again. I believe he couldn't have been the type of Pharisee he was unless he was at least at one point married. So he was probably single again. And we're not sure why. But I wish everyone was single just as I am. 
Yet each person has a special gift from God and one, and, excuse me, of one kind or another. Paul is saying, listen, I have a gift and my gift is that I'm single. That's what he said. So I say this to those who aren't married and to widows. It's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. That does not mean make unwise decisions and just marry anybody. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But what he's saying is it's better to marry. than to, Now, this was Paul's perspective, and he tells you this is his opinion. He's very clear in the Bible when he says this is opinion or this is the law of God. This is not the law of God. But what I want you to see is your singleness in this season is a gift. You can devote yourself to God in ways that you couldn't or you can't one day when you're married. And you can give your time and your energy to the kingdom of God in a way that you can't when you're concerned about bringing home the bills and making sure the kids are fed and making sure all of those things. So use your singleness as a gift. You're not incomplete until you have a spouse. You are not less than until you have a spouse. You have a gift. But with that said, the Bible also says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So your wife and your husband is also a gift. Wherever you are, what you have from God is his gift to you. So lesson number six, if you're saying, I'm looking, I don't have that gift, pastor. I'm looking, I want to get married. Lesson number six, don't date a Christian. (laughs) Date someone who's a follower of Jesus. There's a difference. Because there are times, listen, let me read the scripture to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says this. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? This is what I was taught when I was saved. This is stuff you got to learn, you got to hear. How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? When you're looking, you're a born-again believer. Don't look, don't set your bar so low that you only go. They came to OSC. That doesn't make them a follower of Jesus. Well, I think, Pastor, I think they're a Christian because they came to church one time in 2020 online. Therefore, I think they're, no, no, no. This is what this should look like. You are following Jesus. They are following Jesus. And in your journey of following Jesus, you coincide. And if it's God's plan, you follow Jesus together from that moment on. Don't set your bar so low. Again, Pastor, she's so fine. Can I tell you something? She's made of dirt. So are you. We came from dirt. Beauty is feeding, fleeting. It will go away one day. And the character that they have, that's what will be stuck there. Go after someone who you know loves God more than they love you. They're in church and they're doing great and they're awesome. Listen, before I was saved, I mean, not before I was saved, before Lauren saved me and we got married, I remember dating church girls. 
Not all of them were saved. You want them to love God more than they love you. If they're willing to go along with something dumb and compromise their values and their relationship with God, that means they're putting you above God. And if they put you above God, one day they're going to put somebody else above you and God. One understanding that me and my wife have, and this may be hard for some of you to hear, I love Jesus more than I love her. And she loves Jesus more than she loves me. And that should, that should bring comfort in your relationship. That means that, listen, when I don't want to do what's right by her because I'm mad at her, I will follow him and do what's right by her. She will follow Jesus and do what's right by me. I hope you're seeing this. We're going to dive into this more with the, the marriage stuff. Last principle, and I'm done. Wait for God's best. Wait for God's best. I know it's lonely at times. I know it's hard at times. I know you smile and you celebrate and you go to the weddings and you do the stuff and you see the Instagram pictures. But what you don't see is the hell on earth behind closed doors because they didn't wait for God's best. It's what you don't see. Nobody takes a picture of them in counseling. <laughs> Head missing, you patched the game. <laughs> Hoping for peace. <laughs> nobody, nobody takes those selfies. Wait for God's best. What are some ways that you can know you're getting God's best? Date in groups. Get other eyes around you when you're dating someone. See, our knee-jerk reaction is to go, okay, I'm dating somebody. Let me just keep them to myself, and we're just going to stay. We're going to go out, and we're going to date, and we're going to look at each other. You're so beautiful. You're so awesome. No, no, no. You need people around you that can look at you and go, hey, bro, um, I know you like her a lot. Her character sucks. Did you see, you, you want to date him? Did you see how he spoke to his mom? That's probably how he's going to speak to you one day. You need people like that, people who love you. That's why, again, dating groups. When Lauren and I were dating, like I said, we have friends who literally, they were all up in our dating relationship. I would, leave the, I would leave a date with her and the first phone call is with them. Hey, how was it? Were you pure? Dang, bro. Were you pure? Were you godly? Everything good? Yep, everything was good. Everything was great. As a matter of fact, I, we, I did not even, I, I fear God, but I also feared them. Just being transparent. I feared them. I did not give a good kiss to my wife until we got engaged. Call me old school if you want. We're still married and happy. We're still married and happy. <laughs> I remember one time my wife was like, like, are you okay? Like, do you really, are you like find me attractive? While we're dating, I said, baby, listen, everything's going to change the moment there was a ring on your finger. <laughs> And when we got married, she was like, 
I told you. <laughs> I told you. Am I lying? Yeah. We'll talk about that more in the marriage portion of <laughs> Dating groups. Get people around you that can help you stay pure. Get people around you to help you sniff out their real character and their real nature. Because you are worth that. Next to following Jesus, the most important decision you will ever make in your life is who you marry. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word, for your truth. Thank you that you, you give us so much direction and wisdom in the Bible about relationships if we just take the time to hear it. we we'll take the time to seek out your wisdom. God, I pray that you would not only give this as information to your people as you just have, but let it go, let deep call to deep. Speak to the very souls and a few people. I pray that based off of today, some things would change. Some relationships would adjust and shift. And you would do that by your spirit. And we thank you for that, Father. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, I thank you for your people. And I pray that you would make your face shine on them. God, I pray you would bless them in their going out and in their coming in. And everything, God, that they put their hand to for your sake would be blessed. As a church, I pray that they walk in purity. They walk in purity in the fear of the Lord. I pray, God, that they, work, they walk in your power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for people that were healed today in this service. And Father, and I pray that they're a persistent church that persists even in the face of challenges. In Jesus' name, bless your people. Amen.